I'm told that at a zoo that was known for having a rich diversity of animals, the gorilla died. And to maintain the appearance of a full complement of animals, the zookeeper hired a man to pretend that he was, in fact, the dead animal. He would actually wear a gorilla's suit. But on his first day on the job, he had not quite yet mastered the ability to act like a gorilla. And as he was prancing about and walking about, he happened to get too close to the lion's enclosure and, in fact, fell in. And so, thinking that his life was over, he started screaming for dear life until the lion, or indeed the person who was acting as a lion, said, quiet, bro, or you'll get us all fired. <laughs> Jesus will teach us today that nothing short of genuine faithfulness to him as Lord will impress him. To him, to Jesus that is, genuine faithfulness is like carefully building a foundation deep in the earth and then building the house of your life upon it in such a way that it can withstand any adversity, any storm. Luke chapter 6, verses 46 to 49. Jesus himself speaking. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He's like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. Here's our first point this morning. Every Jesus follower, everyone who follows Jesus, must wrestle with the question of their own faithfulness. I want you to let that point sink in. Every follower of Jesus Christ must wrestle with the question of their own faithfulness. Jesus asks, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? Now, this is a pointed question. It's a pointed question from Jesus himself. It raises the question of our own faithfulness to him as Lord, and it demands a truthful answer from us. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? So this question from Jesus demands an accounting from us, an accounting of our own faithfulness to him as Lord. And so faithfulness, as we look at that, Faithfulness here means having integrity, integrity. Let me take a minute to unpack what integrity means. 
Integrity conveys the idea of being truthful and being honest, not having any hint of dishonesty, deceit, or hypocrisy whatsoever in you. Integrity means wholeness, being whole, as opposed to being duplicitous, having duplicity in your life, or dishonesty, or hypocrisy. I want to say to us this morning that when what you think with your head, and what you believe in your heart, and what you say with your lips, and what you do in your actions, when all of these things line up with one another, then you can be said to have wholeness of mind, body, and spirit. You can be said to have integrity. I'm told that after preaching a sermon on honesty one Sunday morning, a pastor happened to have been taking the bus to work on Monday. And so he boarded the bus and he paid the fare and realized as he had taken his seat that the bus driver, in fact, had given him back too much change. And so he contemplated what to do with the money for a while. Should I give it back or should I hold it? And so he rationalized that, well, maybe God had just provided something extra for him that week. But the more he thought about it and the more he wrestled with it, the more he felt uncomfortable about keeping the change. And so when the um, bus stopped and he was uh, going to be um, disembarking from the bus, he walked up to the driver and handed him back the change and said, I'm, I'm sorry, sir, but you must have given me back too much change. The bus driver smiled and said, no, I was at your church yesterday as you preached a sermon on honesty, and I just wanted to see whether, in fact, you would live out what you preached. Now, you cannot be a genuine disciple of Jesus Christ without having integrity. To be a true believer in Jesus Christ, you must believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you must confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you must show by your actions that Jesus is Lord. There cannot be any distance between what you believe, what you say, and what you do. Listen again to Jesus's pointed question, which demands an accounting from all of us. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? What does Jesus mean by that? The question implies that Jesus can tell whenever there is a difference between your worship, that is what you say and sing about, and your application what you do with what he says. And so he's saying here that you say with your mouth, Lord, Lord. Now notice the repetition here. That means that you keep saying, you keep on saying that I am Lord, Lord, Lord. As if I were really your Lord, Jesus is saying. But your actions say differently. Because if Jesus were really your Lord, you would do what he says. That's what Jesus is implying. But the implication also is that you are not doing what he says. That's the implication Jesus is making. 
if what you say or sing about is different from what you do, then you lack integrity, which means that you are not a genuine disciple of Jesus Christ. And so your question to me is, how can Jesus tell when there is a distance between my profession, what I say about him, and my actions, what I do for him? I really thought that I had Jesus fooled. And I hate to say to you this morning, brothers and sisters, none of us, myself included, can ever fool God. And God will not stop asking us this question until we, in fact, resolve it. Until our profession, what we say and sing with our lips and our actions, what we do, come into full alignment. And so if there is difference between your worship and your obedience, then your faithfulness to God is in question. So that's our first point. Our second point is this, that our faithfulness will never be stronger than our discipleship. Our faithfulness will never be stronger than our discipleship. Jesus says, everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he's like. He's like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. Notice the phrase, everyone who comes to me. This phrase speaks of our coming into relationship with God. Our relationship with God starts with our coming to him through faith in Jesus Christ. Now, coincidentally, today, June 5th, marks 40 years to the day that I came to Jesus Christ as a teenager. I, yes, indeed. Praise God for that. Praise God. That is not to say that I've been a perfect disciple by any means. I have not. But I want to celebrate, and thank you for celebrating with me, 40 years of walking with Christ. So that's where it starts, but that's not where it ends at all. When we come to God through faith in Christ, we receive from God grace that forgives our sins and God declares us to be righteous. It's not that we bring any righteousness to the table. God proclaims us or declares us to be righteous based on our faith in Jesus Christ. But as I mentioned, that is only the beginning. It doesn't end there. We must now begin a process of lifelong relationship in which we are constantly, constantly hearing the words of Jesus and doing them, applying them. I want to suggest to us this morning that first, there must be personal discipleship in which we get into the rhythm, the daily rhythm of hearing God's words and doing them. Now, I'm sure that everyone here this morning and those joining me virtually, everyone has access to a Bible or to the Bible app. Is there anybody here who does not have access at all to the Bible? Can you do so by putting your hand up? All right, for the record, nobody put their hand up. All of us have access to the Bible. 
That does not mean, however, that all of us are, in fact, reading it or applying it. We must intentionally and carefully hear the words of Jesus and do what he says. And so Jesus makes it clear that everyone who comes to him for salvation must hear his words and live by them. I believe that God's law, his word, must be constantly our meditation and our point of reference throughout the day and throughout the night so that it informs everything that we do. We are consulting God's word and we're saying if what God, God's word says and what we're doing, somehow if they're not in alignment with each other, then we need to change. We need to be focused on God's word. Joshua 1 verses 7 through 8 tells us this. Be careful, God says to Joshua. Be careful. Notice that. Be careful. That speaks of intentionality. Be careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful. There is the word again. You may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. So personal discipleship in which you are careful to hear God's word and then do what God says to you, this is a must for everyone who comes to Christ. That is the only way God tells Joshua for you to prosper and to be successful in life. Secondly, I want to suggest to us that there must be congregational discipleship where we come together at least weekly, at least weekly, to hear what God is saying to us personally and collectively through his spoken word. And you note that usually some application is given at the end of the message that says, hey, this is what you need to go forward and do. And so congregational discipleship is a must for everyone who comes to Jesus. The brothers and sisters, upon the authority of God's word, I say to you, and this is a quote straight out of the book of Hebrews, do not neglect meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. But continue to meet together to spur one another on toward love and good deeds. And especially since you see the day of the Lord approaching. End of quote. All that that says is that you must make congregational discipleship your top priority each week. Now, thirdly, I'd like to suggest that there must be small group discipleship as well because this allows us to go deeper with one another in transparency and accountability because it allows us to discuss how God's word is intersecting with our personal lives, with our marriages, with our parenting, with our vocations, 
with even grandparenting. When we come together, we can be transparent. We can say, you know, I need prayer because my marriage is not going so well. My children are rebellious. They're going astray. Can you help me pray for my health? We're transparent with one another. That allows us to go deeper. Notice that Jesus says that everyone who calls him Lord must not only hear his words, but also do them. So discipleship is both hearing and then going forward to do. Your faithfulness to, to Jesus Christ will never be stronger than your discipleship. Here's our third point this morning. Our discipleship determines whether we stand or fall. Now Jesus is going to go on and illustrate the importance of discipleship by telling a parable of two houses and the foundations on which they were built. And so one uh, house was built upon the rock. Its builder dug deep down in the earth and laid the foundation on rock. He built a secure foundation which took time, careful intentionality, and arduous work. Now, isn't, isn't it true that discipleship also takes time, takes careful intentionality, and takes arduous work? Hearing God's word, memorizing it, hiding it deep in your heart, understanding how it applies to your life, and then going out and doing it with the Holy Spirit's help, that takes time. That takes effort. That takes careful intentionality. But... The hard work, in fact, does pay off. Because you see, when the storms come, as they will. Now, Jesus did not say in this text, if storms come. He says, when they come. Twice he says that, which shows us that storms are inevitable. Because of the intentionality of your discipleship, because of the fact that you take time to carefully build your life and your faith upon the rock Christ Jesus, when the storms come, you are able to withstand them, you're able to surmount them. Because you see, storms will hit our health, storms will hit our marriages, storms will hit our businesses, our finances. It is only our careful and intentional discipleship that will allow us to be secure in our faith and to surmount the challenges that come. Now I want you to contrast this, because Jesus does, contrast, contrast this with the man who built his house rather quickly. So there was no careful intentionality about this. He built it quickly, and he built it on the surface of the ground. This is what Jesus says. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. So this house had no depth to it at all. It was merely built on the surface. He didn't even dig a trench or anything. He just built it on the surface. 
So there was no foundation. And therefore, this house could not withstand the inevitable storms that would come to it. And so when the river flooded and when the wind began to blow rather strongly, guess what happened, Jesus says? It could not hold up. It could not hold up. But I find it interesting that Jesus did not just say that this house was destroyed. Notice how he combines words and phrases here to describe the experience that this house went through. He uses multiple terms to describe how this house collapsed. He says, immediately it fell, and then he goes on to say that the ruin of that house was great. He takes the time to tell us that without careful and intentional discipleship, the house of your life will not withstand the storms of life. I found that too many people have fallen immediately. They have experienced great ruin, great personal ruin, because they have chased after everything else in life, but they have failed to continue anchoring their lives on the rock of Jesus Christ. They even rationalize their way out of discipleship with excuses like, I am too busy, I am too tired. Sunday morning is the only time that I have to sleep in or to travel. Now don't miss Jesus' sober warning in this parable, which is this. It is tragic to build your life on anything other than careful, intentional, Christian discipleship. Can I say that again? It is tragic to build your life on anything other than careful, intentional, Christian discipleship. Jesus says that the man who hears his words and carefully does them will abide forever. They will withstand anything that life throws at them. However, the man who refuses to hear Jesus' words and to do what he says will come to immediate ruin. I want to ask you this morning, which man are you in terms of how you are building your life? Here's the bottom line of our message this morning. Professing that Jesus is Lord means nothing unless it goes hand in hand with obeying Jesus as Lord. I have a few parting points to share with you, which I hope you will be able to apply this morning. First of all, I want to challenge you to make Jesus the rock that you build your life upon. Now, Jesus once asked this question of his disciples. Who do people say that I am? Just asked it generically. Who are people saying that I am? And one of his disciples answered, well, some say that you're John the Baptist, and some say that you are Elijah, and some say that you are one of the prophets. But Jesus had a follow-up question, which I think is really the question that makes a difference. It's even more important. He says, but who do you say? So in other words, I'm not really interested in what other people are saying about me, because other people are saying all kinds of things about me. But who do you say that I am? 
And so the intent of that question is for you to be able to answer like Peter, who answered this way, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And so this confession is the rock upon which Jesus decided to build his church. This confession that Jesus is the rock upon which we build our faith and the rock upon which we build our lives. And so we make this confession not just with our lips, but with our hearts. Here's the thing that you must keep in mind this morning. Every foundation other than this is sinking sand. Sinking sand. I wonder if there's anyone among us this morning or anyone viewing online this morning who wants to take this time to make Jesus the rock upon which you build your life, your marriage, your finances, your parenting, all of life. Let's just take a moment this morning either to make this confession for the first time or to make it over again. Let us pray together. Lord Jesus, we confess with our mouths that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This confession comes from deep within our hearts. And God, we desire to live this out by our actions, reinforcing each day that you are in fact Lord of our lives. That is the rock upon which we build our faith, upon which we build our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now secondly, I want to say to you this morning, I want to challenge you to match your worship with your obedience. Match your worship with your obedience. Now, to people who are claiming to worship him, but whose worship was neither sincere nor followed up with their obedience, Jesus once pronounced these words. From Matthew chapter 15 and verse 8. He looked at the crowd and he said to them, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. I asked myself this morning, is Jesus addressing this to any one of us this morning? Or is he even addressing it to our entire church this morning? That we honor him with our lips while our hearts are not really with him. Might he be calling any one of us hypocrite as he in fact called these people? Because our obedience does not match our worship? Do we realize that Jesus is looking for people whose allegiance to him is genuine and cannot be questioned? Now I took some liberty with this anonymous quotation that you will see behind me. I'm told that it first surfaced way back in 1860 or in the 1860s. I have put some parentheses around the words that I changed to suit our context. This is what the quotation says. The greatest want of the church, it had a world in there, but I put the church, is the want of men and women 
who will not be bought or sold, men and women who in their inmost souls are true and honest men and women. Men and women who do not fear to call sin by its right name. Men and women whose conscience is as true to God as the needle to the pole. Men and women who will stand for righteousness though the heavens fall. That is the kind of faithfulness and obedience that God is looking for. I want to ask you this question. Does your worship match your obedience? Thirdly, and finally, I want to challenge you to make discipleship your life's bedrock. Make discipleship your life's bedrock. Now, in the book of Ezekiel, the prophet was having a vision from God. And in this vision, he, he saw the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. That's a mouthful. He saw the appearance of the likeness of the glory of God. And in that vision, he also heard a voice that commanded him to eat the scroll that he saw in the vision. And so in Ezekiel chapter 3, verses 2 to 3, this is what uh, the prophet writes. So, that is in obedience to the vision that he has just seen of this scroll. First he saw the vision of the appearance of the likeness of the glory of God, and then he sees a scroll. So I opened my mouth, and he gave me this scroll to eat. And he said to me, son of man, feed your belly with this scroll that I give you. And fill your stomach with it. Then I ate it, and it was in my mouth as sweet as honey. And he said to me, Son of man, go to the house of Israel and speak with my words to them. So I want to say to you, brothers and sisters, carefully, consistently, and intentionally feed your soul, your belly, with the word of God. Let it fill your stomach. Let it be in your mouth as sweet as honey so that it satisfies your soul. It satisfies every craving that you have. And then go and speak God's life-giving words to those who need to hear them. That is how you build your life upon the solid rock. Let us pray together. God, this, your word, applies to all of us. In some ways, God, this word is convicting. In some ways, God, this word is calling us to action that is different from what we have done in the past. God, I pray that your spirit will take this word and apply it to each person's heart so that they know distinctly how you're calling them to respond to it. I pray, God, that fruit will come from this word and from the obedience of your people to it. I ask that you'd help each one of us to intentionally build our lives upon the rock that is Christ Jesus. 
In your name I pray. Amen.